I'm excited to hear about what you do exactly. Get the inside scoop. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Cockpits and Cocktails. I'm your host, Fly Alyssa, here with Natalie Fly Girl Kelly. We are so thankful that you guys made some time. We are both sales directors. I have seen these banners at Oshkosh and things before, and it's really flashy and really fun. And your guys' names have come up to me in the last uh, couple months quite a bit. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you and find out what you do exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, uh, Jade and Candy. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to be here and, and talk with you about what we do and, and hopefully educate other people on, on the same subject. Candy, just tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into aviation and what you do at Jet Aviva. Well, um, I guess uh, I got first bit by the bug, if you will, when I was little. My mom got very excited whenever we would go on uh, an airline flight somewhere, which was very, uh, very rare occurrence. I uh, was always fascinated uh, by airplanes. And as luck would have it, um, when I was uh, probably 14, um, trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do when I grow up, a uh, German exchange student in my school, it was a very uh, small school, I graduated like 110 in my class, was taking flight lessons. And he invited me out for a night flight uh, with him and his instructor. And uh, I got in a Cessna 172 at a Columbiana County Airport in Eastern Ohio. And we went on this night flight and I was just absolutely in love. It hit me like a ton of bricks. This is what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to, to pursue a career in aviation. Uh, at the time, of course, the only thing you can think of is I want to be an airline pilot. So I applied at several schools. I got accepted to Embry-Riddle. And uh, at the same time, I borrowed money from a sister and a brother and started taking flight lessons. And I soloed when I was 16. And I remember it was, uh, it was actually a very hot day in July and uh, got to fly out of that same airport and out of that same, in that same airplane, that same 172 that I took my, my first little airplane ride in. Ended up going to Embry-Riddle down to Daytona Beach, Florida. I uh, started, you know, doing flight, flight lessons down there and whatnot and discovered that I actually really enjoyed my business classes and I loved flying, but, you know, there was a lot of, um, I guess, entrepreneurial spirit um, in, in me that I discovered. Um, and then right out of college, I was hired with uh, a company called NetJets, uh, at the time called Executive Jet Aviation. And uh, it was not my uh, largest offer. I had three offers when I was graduating. Um, I had one with Lockheed Martin, an offer with an aviation insurance firm, and then this company called NetJets. And I had really didn't even know what business aviation was at the time. They didn't teach that in school. And I, uh, I did an on-site visit, and I was just enamored by this it was almost like CIA headquarters with all these cool screens and it was a dark room and you could see airplanes flying all over the place on the screens. And I, I was like, this is so cool. And uh, I was very fortunate to have two uh, sisters who were very career-minded, uh, very independent women uh, that I could look up to. And uh, I talked to my one sister and I says, but this is my lowest offer. And she says, where do you think you're gonna have the most fun? And uh, I said, without a doubt, it's going to be at, at NetJets. And so I ended up taking that job. And uh, that's how I got my foot in the door with corporate aviation. 
and fell in love with it. And I've just kind of grown up uh, through my career in this industry, uh, first working at NetJets and operations, then went to work for a 135 charter and management company, uh, ended up doing maintenance aircraft, uh, maintenance sales uh, for a while. And then uh, eventually, you know, tip, uh, put my big toe in the water with aircraft sales back in 2011 and have just absolutely loved this job ever since. It's, it's my favorite of all the uh, different jobs that I've had in this industry. And the people that I work with are amazing. And uh, so if they'll, if they'll keep me, it'll probably be my last job. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's kind of my, uh, my uh, upbringing in aviation, if you will. Yeah, wow. Well, there's a lot of things that I, I kind of came to mind when you were saying that. I love how um, all these interests kind of came together with uh, your entrepreneurial spirit and you like the business classes and then aviation. I just love it when things kind of like, you know, meld together like that. Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I feel like in aviation, like people, people get into aviation and they just want to be a pilot or something. And then like it kind of gets shifted um, as you get deeper into it and find what you're really good at versus what you thought you'd be good at. And that's kind of why I love the podcast is like, um, there's so many parts of aviation I didn't even know existed until this last year of doing the podcast and interviewing people. So yeah, so many facets. Um, I don't really feel like a lot of people know a lot about what corporate aviation is or business aviation. Like there's so much to it. And I don't think for some reason, there's just not a whole, whole lot of information out there or it's just not, you know, you hear about airline jobs and pilot jobs with the airlines, but you don't, you hear about business corporate, uh, business corporate uh, aviation, but you don't really know what that means exactly. Yeah, for sure. And interestingly enough, I went back to Riddle, uh, I'm, I'm very proud to say my nephew is now going to Riddle uh, now as well, and I'm excited for him. But going back to uh, the university, I was a little saddened to hear that they still don't really teach a whole lot about business aviation. And I thought with its growth over the past, sadly, 20 plus years that I've been yeah. graduated now, um, that they're still not focused on that. And I'm not sure why, because it's, it's a huge industry. And, uh, but there still seems to be tremendous focus on the airlines and military aviation and, of course, the engineering and um, innovative um, technologies that are surrounding that. And, of course, now with UAV and everything else, mm -hmm. it seems to overshadow this very rewarding industry that I feel so incredibly fortunate that I found yeah. um, by accident. Yeah, yeah. I know. I always wonder why, too, if they're... Are the airlines um, supporting the schools a lot or why, what is that connection where that's really, they really push the airlines quite a bit versus more like 50-50 corporate aviation and airlines? You know, my guess is it's because that's where the majority of the jobs are. And, you know, a school's number one goal, aside from educating you, is to make sure that you've got job opportunities when you leave. So, for Embry-Riddle, I remembered uh, like Boeing and some of these very large manufacturers, um, those seem to be the predominant uh, employers in the airlines. And uh, that seemed to, to be what took center stage uh, when we had job fairs and stuff like that. But it, 
they employ a ton of people, no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just, I don't think I would have enjoyed that career as much. Yeah. So one of the other things you said was the Embry-Riddle. It seems like everybody that went to Embry-Riddle loves Embry-Riddle. Well, there, there's a joke. Uh, how do you know if, uh, if a pilot went to Embry-Riddle or they'll tell you? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're very proud of it. It's probably because, you know, we pay for it for an awfully long time after we leave school. But uh, it, it is a... It's a great university. I have had uh, a lot of opportunity. I wouldn't say opportunity, but a lot of connections uh, and uh, whatnot as a, as a result of being a part of that community. So you're not just, you know, buying an education, you're buying a network and yeah. a lot of uh, support from your fellow uh, Embry-Riddle oh, grads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. I- Jade, did you go to Embry Riddle? You haven't chimed in here. I, I, I no, she hasn't I did told not. You, so no, I, I did not. like. I did like Candy's joke though, <laughs> because it's true. Joke we tell everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, no, so I actually graduated from Purdue University. I went through their aviation program. Nice. Okay. Nice. Another big yeah, one. program. Yeah, they, they have a great flight program. Um, the year that I got in, I think there was about 40, 40 people in my class and maybe 8% women. So I, I think there was three or four other girls in my class. Okay. So it, it's, so what's it's your, definitely... What's your story? How did you get into aviation? Yeah, so the interest originally probably stemmed with my grandfather who had trained for World War II. He actually went on to become an air traffic controller, never saw combat. But he had owned a, a Taylor Craft um, prior to really my youth and, and growing up. But I always heard him talk about it and him and my grandma and their stories of flying. And that's really where the interest kind of sparked. Um, when it came time to decide what I was going to do for school, I was looking at everything from architecture to business to aviation. And really not having that experience that Candy had at a younger age with aviation I thought, well, if I go to Purdue, at least I'm at a Big Ten school. I can always change my major, but I'll leave my first year with my pilot's license. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty amazing. So that's kind of the what led me into that. And of course, after my first flight lesson, I mean, I can remember it as vividly today as, as the day that it happened. Um, it was just amazing to, to be up there flying while my friends were, were all sitting down in a classroom. Uh, yeah. At Purdue, most of our classes took took part right on the airport campus, which is part of the campus. Of course, our, our some of our core studies would be on the the standard campus, but um, I was just enthralled with it and, and knew that I wouldn't leave it. Um, interestingly enough, like Candy mentioned, I really had no idea that there were other careers in aviation besides going to fly for the airlines. Yeah, or or be a corporate pilot. And in fact, my goal was to be a corporate pilot. I envisioned my life, you know, beach hopping, flying some some corporate folks around from island to island or or whatever. You know, I had this kind of vision in my head. Um, but Purdue was was really pushing us, you know, training in 727 simulators and things like that to go to the airlines. So after I graduated with a goal to, to go corporate, I knew I had to build time. And that, of course, led me to getting my CFI, my CFII, and my MEI. 
um, as well as moving out to SoCal, where I knew I'd have some some nicer flying weather than that of which I experienced in Indiana and Wisconsin, which is where I'm based. So having moved out there, um, I fell into an opportunity working for an aircraft sales organization called Tom's Aircraft. They were the, the Cessna piston dealer at the time, and they also did aircraft maintenance. And at that time in 2005, it was kind of the height of, of aircraft sales. We were doing a good 100 airplanes a year, 50 used, 50 new. And I was kind of hired on to go back to the factory in Kansas, in Independence, Kansas, and pick up new airplanes and fly them back to California. Oh, awesome. And I thought, well, here is a 19-year-old flying these half a million dollar airplanes or, or whatever they were. Like, this isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that's kind of where it started, and it got me into the aircraft sales and realizing, wow, I'm working Monday through Friday-ish, 7 mm-hmm. to 5-ish, or 9 to 5-ish. Like, this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm making very, very good money. <laughs> and yeah. in fact, going back to Purdue for, for a recruitment event, I met up with some of my professors, and they asked what I was doing. And when I responded, they said, wait, you can make money doing that? I said, well, probably four times what, what I would have made going to work for the regionals. Yeah. Um, many of my classmates I kept in, in close contact with, and they qualified for food stamps their first couple of years yeah. flying for the regionals. And they lived in these crash pads. And, you know, it's just it's crazy <laughs> to look it, back on that. It amazes me to pay so much for school and then or taking these jobs at these entry-level uh, positions and you know how do people afford to live and pay their schooling back and so that's what has made me as a grown woman getting my pilot's license I'm like I can't really afford to spend all the money to get you know commercial you know get to that commercial level and then take pennies you know yeah no and you're, you're exactly right and sometimes it's a bit frustrating in the aviation world because those in aviation are just so passionate about it. And we love it so much that you don't even have to pay us. We'll just right. do it for free. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let, let, let me sit right seat at, at my own expense. Let me pay for the fuel in the plane. You know, it's like what other industry is like that? I it's know. crazy. We're but, a little bit true. <laughs> yeah. But how do you override the, the passion? And, you know, for a while um, I was looking at a job flying caravans in Hawaii and you actually had to pay your training to get a job there. Wow. And then maybe they would reimburse you. But I was like, wow, pay for training after I've just paid for schooling to get a mm-hmm. job. But I was seriously considering it at the time. Yeah. And um, yeah. so, so yeah, so after uh, eight, almost eight years in Long Beach, California and moving into the sales side, um, I moved back to Wisconsin, which is where I'm from, uh, to be back with family and friends. I got a job heading up aircraft sales for one of our local uh, FBOs here. And after about a year's time, was recruited by Cyrus, one of our co-founders for Jet Aviva, to come work full-time for Jet Aviva, um, head up some of some of our sales, and you know, with it, the offer to get a type rating in the CJ3, the Citation 525 series. So I don't know who in their right mind could say no to that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and worth noting, Ben and Cyrus, uh, Jet Aviva's two co-founders, were actually also Purdue grads. So I had some experience with them and, and their original founding of the company in Santa Monica, California, kind of ties it all together. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's, I mean, that's been almost eight, 
2013, nine years or so since, since I joined Jetaviva. And like Candy said, it's, it's the people that make the difference. It's pretty amazing that, you know, we can work from anywhere as long as you have a, a phone and a computer. Mm-hmm. And many times we're, we're in aircraft, we're around aircraft. Um, on a nice day, it's, it's not uncommon for you to get my voicemail because I may be out flying and just getting current. <laughs> and none of our clients ever have a problem with that. You know, you, you call back, say, oh, sorry, I was up doing some touch and goes and, and just shooting some approaches. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. No problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so Great exactly, exactly. Yeah. So tell me uh, what now, which by both of you, I'm always jealous when I hear that someone started so young because it's like I started much older and it's like, oh, all the knowledge you must have, you know, I'm, every time I go flying, I learn something and it's like, Oh, I'm just a little jealous I didn't start sooner because you learn so much every flight. So I think that's really cool that you know when you're like 16 years old or when you go to college, that that's kind of what you're interested in. And I didn't know until four years ago that I wanted to learn to fly. You know, so it's just kind of, I always think it's really cool that you can be so focused and, and go after things like that. Um, so what I wanted to say, a couple of things were... Um, what is, do you both have the same job and what, for someone that doesn't know anything about that, what does that mean exactly? What do you do exactly? And how do you get into that kind of, kind of field? Someone new. Yeah. So one thing that's unique about Jetaviva as opposed to other aircraft brokerage firms, and that's what we are. We're, we're an aircraft broker, both buying and selling airplanes, representing either buyers or sellers. Um, in fact, much like real estate is, is kind of how it works. Um, so one thing that's unique is the fact that rather than have territories, you know, I'm in Wisconsin, I don't just represent my, my area of the country, we are model market focused. So we work very closely with our other colleagues, you know, Candy and I and, and whatnot, based on what our clients' needs are. Mm-hmm. And it really allows us to to work collaboratively, collaboratively as a team rather than in competition with one another. And it, you know, it allows us to know a lot about a little rather than a little about a lot, Mm -hmm. um, because that can become difficult. And, you know, I represent the Citation Mustang um, line of of sales and and Candy can tell you what she represents. But again, it, it just allows us to be experts in that field and know everything from maintenance schedules to aircraft on market to market conditions of that plane to things related to training and flying that airplane um you name it we we try to dig in deep and and know as much as we can yeah and i'll i'll chime in here um that is super unique to our our company because uh having been in different sales organizations not just selling airplanes but selling other uh products and services and in business aviation it's very much uh, typically a, a territorial thing. And uh, the thing that I love about Jetaviva is like, if I've got a client, like I've got a client right now that's interested in a Mustang and we are incentivized to work together and it works out really well uh, where in other organizations, you kind of you know get into this little bit of a territorial fight, you know, whose is whose. But at the end of the day, like I know my client is going to get the absolute best information to make informed decisions by uh, virtue of Jade and I working together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's across the board with all of uh, our colleagues. If, if we've 
if we narrow it down and we know that, uh, you know, there's a particular make and model that's the right fit for our client, and that's what we do really well. We take a step back and we really try to understand our clients' needs, uh, their budget, their mission, um, because they don't know what they don't know. And yeah. so our job is to really try to narrow their focus because there's no, as you guys know, there's no one airplane that fits 100% of the time. Absolutely. Uh, so our goal is really to narrow their focus down based on budget, operating costs, whatnot, and, uh, you know, try to decide what's going to fulfill 90% of your missions because it doesn't make a s sense to buy a Gulfstream 550 uh, because you're going to Europe once a year. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the kind of, of um, the value adds that, that Jade and I bring to the table is, you know, we take that step back, we really try to understand our clients, and then because of how we are split up by make model, um, we can really serve our clients well. And that's the same on the sales side as well. Uh, when we go to sell an airplane, um, if Jade has a client that, hey, they want to sell their Excel, or I've got somebody that wants to sell their Mustang, we will work together to make sure that we get our client top dollar for their asset because we really know our, our airplanes and those markets really well. Yeah. I would say that works well for just future business as well. I mean, if they know how you work and it wasn't like a battle between these different salespeople, then they know, you know, that you work <laughs> together for their interests and they're going to come it, back to you. Totally. I mean, this Without is like rocket doubt. science, right? I mean, we're yeah. just trying to take, good care of our clients. And, uh, I think that's why you see the Jetta Viva name out there so much. And it's not, I mean, we do some great marketing, don't get me wrong, but I think it's, uh, the brand, uh, has done a great job because we, we genuinely, we want happy clients that want to come back to us. And I think it's great that, you know, if you have a client that, you know, your type aircraft has satisfied their needs for a little while, but then they've kind of outgrown that. You can kind of pass the torch to somebody, but you already have that relationship built and they trust you. So they're going to trust your judgment on having, you know, bringing Jade in and helping you with that. And, you know, just the company name behind all of it makes sense um, to, to have that model. I think it's really great. And it'd be awesome to work with a bunch of really badass women like you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, that and is, that, is, that is also yeah. very unique, right? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we have a lot of website. There were quite a few women um, yeah. at Jetta Viva. And I wondered why, what makes that a good fit for women? Why are they good in, in this, in this career? You know, I think part of it is, is really the support that we get from you know, the, the top on down of, of wanting well-developed women who, who can handle this type of job and, and are excited by it to bring them on board and, and help them succeed. Um, you know, a, a lot of our women sales directors, in fact, maybe all of our women sales directors are also pilots. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty, pretty unique and pretty amazing because in the aircraft brokerage world, it's interesting that many many brokers are not pilots. And I always, yeah. you know, you certainly don't have to be a pilot to be able to sell airplanes. That That's not a requirement, but it definitely elevates your authority gradient. It gives once you they a know connection. That. 
Absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it, if you get the opportunity, especially with the owner operators, which is a little bit more what I focus on, um, if you get the opportunity to be in the cockpit with them, that builds a relationship like no others. And I know Alyssa touched on relationships and this is all about relationship building, nurturing, and, you know, just knowing that we're always there, not just through the, the sale or purchase of their airplane, but we're always just a phone call away if they need anything. I'll, I'll echo what Jade is saying and pardon the cliche, but uh, success breeds success. And winners want to be around winners. Um, I have a very high standard for myself. And I just told Jade this the other day. We had kind of our year in review uh, for 2020. We, we had a great year last year, despite all the ups and downs. But um, when I first started taking over my markets and really trying to get the ball rolling when I joined Jet Aviva, um, Jade was a real inspiration to me. Um, she was a top performer at Jet Aviva. And I remember her accepting an award for uh, top sales. Not only that, but she was pregnant with her first child, or I think you had just had him, I think, or something like that. Like <laughs> she was doing everything. Um, she was, you know, having a family. She was flying. She was top performer. Um, that those are some pretty high bars that we have in our company. And I was like. I don't have kids, so I have no excuses. <laughs> she, has, she has two now, but um, man, uh, what an inspiration to see her go after her markets and like knock it out of the park. And I wanted to be around that kind of success and set the bar high for myself. And so this year I had a, a, a really good year and we've all got our sights on like, knocking it out of the park, but we all work really well together. It's not this like, I'm going to beat Jade. I want Jade and I to go arm in arm and make sure that we, you know, are within $500 of each other <laughs> <laughs> when we uh, finish off the year. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's certainly some friendly competition, but, but that's really all it is. is friendly competition because we seriously do want to see one another succeed. And, and like Candy says, that, that sort of energy, you can't ignore it when, when you're around it. And uh, if you want to elevate your game, go work with somebody who, you know, who's elevated and, yeah. and you'll rise up to the occasion if you have yeah. it in you. So what would you, what was the personality of someone that, that is really successful in, in, this, in this role that you have? What are some of the traits? Well, you know, being mainly commission only, mm -hmm. <laughs> part of it, you, you have to be a self-starter and you have to be willing to, to put the work in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what do they say? The harder I work, the luckier I get, right? Mm -hmm. and, and if that isn't true, I don't know what is. Um, but, but definitely self-motivated. Most of us work from, from home offices. We don't have one central office where we're working together. So, you know, you have to kind of be willing to put in the work on your own and knowing that we have colleagues that are more than happy to help us when we need it. Um, that's probably what's what's most important there. I don't know, Candy, what do you think? You know, um, I think part of my growth uh, in this role has uh, really been about good time management. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm very, very uh, diligent about protecting my, my time and making sure that it's focused on the results that I want um, at the end of the year. 
And because uh, there's a difference between being busy and then being busy on the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those are hard lessons to learn. Um, and, you know, focusing on the hard tasks at the beginning of your day versus, you know, hey, I got all these things checked off. Uh, it's not about quantity. It's about quality and focusing on the right things. Um, the other thing that I, I really had a tough time with and that I've done a better job of this year is trusting my team. Um, I, I'm a bit of a control freak. And uh, in prior jobs, I had to do everything myself. I didn't really have a team that I could rely on for contracts and for you know the, the oversight of the inspections and things like that. We actually have a really great team at this company and I've done a better job of learning to trust my colleagues and that I don't need to be involved in every single aspect. Uh, So delegating uh, things and trusting my team were another uh, big contributing factor uh, to my growth anyways. Yeah, that's hard because it takes time to develop trust between people and you don't know if they're going to do it to your standards. They have to kind of you know, prove themselves with time. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What would you guys say, um, maybe Jade, what do you think the hardest part of your job is or the most difficult um, to keep the ball rolling? Yeah. So I, I think probably anybody in sales would, would probably agree and, and respond to this, but the highs are really high and the lows are really low. You know, in 2020, um, I had a pretty good year. Granted, I was out for four months um, on pregnancy leave, but I started out 2020, my first four four months without closing one sale. And you go in every day and you sit down at your desk and you say, what am I going to do today to, to make a difference and to make something happen? And you continue trying to build that pipeline, build that pipeline. And if you don't see results at the end of every month, it's a little devastating. So, you know, you can get down on yourself. Um, but the highs are really high. So, you know, that four months of work that I put in to try to build that pipeline, it paid dividends for, for the remainder of the year. Even four months while I was out, having my numbers be pretty equivocal to where they were I in 20 I think they were like super high while you were out, yeah. <laughs> you know, Candy, how is this working? I'm doing better when I'm not here, right. you know? And, and part of that was the, the pipeline that I had built and also the support of my colleagues to to be able to close my deals while, while I enjoyed that time with my, my baby. Um, but I mean, that's for me, probably the hardest thing is, is I just have to remind myself that, yeah, I, I may not have any, anything closing today, but just keep at it and it, it will pay dividends. Yeah. Yeah. So someone starting out, what can they expect to, to make? I mean, what, when do they really start making good money? Do they make good money? What is a, a, what's good money in this, in this job? Do you want to take that one? Well, I mean, you know, there is no limit, right, to, to what you can make in this job. If, if you're willing to put in the work, there really is no limit. You set the limit. Um, there is an expectation with our company to meet certain minimums. Yeah. And the, the reason for that is is not only for the company's sake, but we all share together in, in a, a small shared pool. And if your colleague's not working just as hard as you are, and they're getting that equal piece of the, the monthly pool, it's not going to work out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, 
Exactly. So, so we do all set goals at the beginning of the year for, for minimums that we're going to meet and hopefully crush those goals. But I would say, you know, that's a hard question at the, at the minimum, you're, you're probably in, in candy at the six digits and, you know, you could be upwards of, of a half a million if you're having a good year and you're working your tail off. Yeah, uh, it, totally. So starting out in this, uh, in this job, much like a realtor, coming back to the realtor uh, analogy, uh, it takes, and I had heard this myself, it takes, you know, three to five years to really kind of build a book of business, if you will, and start to get a reputation where people are starting to refer you. So, you know, your first year, um, if you hit six digits, I think you're doing pretty good. Um, and, and if you're not happy with that, then you you definitely belong in sales, mm-hmm. uh, because it's never enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but three to three to five years, I would say is where you should be starting to see, uh, certainly six figures, uh, consistently, uh, and certainly getting above that first, you know, Hey, it doesn't have a one in front of it. It might have a two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that those are exciting times, but that takes time. And like Jade said, this job, you'll get out of it what you put into it. So if you're looking for something where you in, you just enjoy this job and you want to do it and make a little money, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really want to make a lot of money doing this job, you're going to work pretty hard um, and you're going to work weekends and after hours and all of those things, but you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that most people in your position start out with um, a base salary or do they start at just straight commission? What, what do you think that most companies are going with? You know, the, the broker world is, is kind of a small world in the aircraft sales industry. And I would venture to guess that the base salary is probably not the typical. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that I know in, in this industry is straight commission. Um, our arrangement within our company where, where we have kind of the shared pool is, is probably not the norm. Um, but it helps you in those months when, you know, you don't close anything and and your colleagues did all the work they're they're carrying the load. Um, Candy, do, do you know of any other brokers that are doing some base salary work? There are, uh, there are the, the different brokerage firms do operate a little differently. Um, some of them have a smaller base. Uh, but you don't get as large of a commission uh, Mm -hmm. off the fees. So they're all a little different, but I would say your high-performing brokerage firms are going to be commission only. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's what I've I've heard anyways. I've worked for three different brokerage firms now, and I have always been commission only. Uh, My first job, you know, starting out, um, we did a, a draw. Uh, so basically they gave you a little bit of money to, to, you know, keep the lights on at your house, and yeah. feed you. but once you got that first commission in, of course, that was, you know, taken off of that. Right. So that, yeah. that helped, right. That, that allowed me to kind of, to jump in and, and really try to give it everything I had. Yeah. I think it's, it sounds like, um, it is, if you want to be in aviation and you want to make a lot of money this is probably one of the best ways to do that. If you're willing to work hard, you know, and, um, 
if you have that entrepreneurial spirit as well and that love of aviation, it seems like this is a a good good career to be be in. Absolutely. And go ahead, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, Elisa had touched on this um, just briefly about how do you get into, how do you get into this industry? And a lot of that is about who, you know, not really what, you know, not what your experience is. It's all about that inner relationship building within the industry. And Candy, I know did a lot of that through, through Embry-Riddle. But you can't really undervalue the industry events and showing your face and repeatedly, you know, trying to build that relationship so that people know your name, because like many industries, aviation is a small industry and people may go from one career to the other career. But once you're in it, if you have a good reputation, it's well known. And if you have a bad one, it's also well known. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So true. I think networking is so important in aviation. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I've so, been really fortunate. I've been really fortunate to have met so many amazing people and Natalie as well. I mean, that's how Natalie and I, have, you know, essentially met in the beginning. And I mean, you realize how small aviation is and building that professionalism and rapport and building that can be just torn down in a second. So you really have to bring your A game at all times. And, you know, you were mentioning that, you know, in the morning when you wake up and focusing on the things that are really important And I think I struggle with that. I'm like, oh, I've got to post to my social media and I've got to do this. And, but it's not getting me anywhere. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's keeping those connections, but I also need to do those like hard tasks, you know, and, and knock them out. So, and the other thing is, oh, go ahead, Candy. (laughs) You're frozen, so I can't see you talking. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully I'm not frozen with one of those weird. You're not frozen, Candy, not for me. (laughs) No, there's a a great book uh, that I read last year called uh, Eat the Frog. Mm. And um, it talks about your daily time blocking and do your hardest tasks first. Just Mm. eat the frog. Oh, Um, gosh, that's so true. Yeah. uh, (laughs) You things you want to put off. Yeah. It's the (laughs) things that you're just like, man, this is not going to be fun making 20 cold calls. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put that off cause I can knock these other things out so quickly yeah. and it'll look like I, you know, did 90% of the things that I wanted to get done today, but so much more fun. <laughs> yeah. And there were way more fun, but yeah. I, I need to eat the frog. So eat the frog is, is a great book and one that helped me kind of prioritize those uh, things that I really don't awesome. want to do. Um, but they have the biggest impact usually. All right, I'm going to write that down. I already wrote that. it down. Yeah. <laughs> For those people that, you know, I will dread the entire day doing those cold calls or doing whatever it is. And so it makes your whole morning, even though you're accomplishing so much, it's still going to ruin your whole time <laughs> because you're dreading that other thing. Or yeah. I have the worst client coming in at the end of the day, but it's made my entire day terrible. Just put them in the morning, knock it out, and then you can like be so, so much better the rest of the afternoon. So that's such good advice. One of the other things I wanted to point out uh, that that Jade was talking about uh, or alluded to a little bit, but 
uh, it's important to realize that if you are considering a career in uh, aircraft sales, is don't feel like you have to know uh, everything about like selling airplanes before you you do it. Um, mm-hmm. This 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 job, I was really scared about uh, doing it because I've ne- you know I didn't know anything yeah, about yeah. aircraft sales. I knew about airplanes. I knew about maintenance and stuff like that. But um, you know, if you get with the right company and the right people and the right support structure, um, you can absolutely be very successful in this business. So don't be afraid to try it because you don't know it. Yeah. Uh, jump in with both feet and have the right support around you and the right company who is going to support you and uh, everything else will fall into place. That's, That's great, advice. great advice. Because I was thinking, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't know anything about jets. I don't know. Any, you know, it's like, and I'm sure a lot of people think that, well, I'd love to do that, but I don't know all that stuff. Right. You know? And that's where knowing like the networking and knowing people, because this job is way more about your, your personality, your ability to connect with people, to listen and, um, you know, to just be passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is way more important than knowing, you know, what airplane has thrust reversers, mm-hmm. um, or how, how much gas it burns. How many hour. seats they have. Yeah. What's the, <laughs> in, what's the different panels and the different years. And yeah, yeah. it's, it can be overwhelming. And I feel like for somebody that has this interest, cause I was, you know, in those shoes not so long ago is you can really talk yourself out of it, even though you think you might be good at it. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's important to know you you don't have to know everything. You just if you believe in yourself and the fact that you've got a great personality and the drive to go learn and grow and 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 all of those things, uh, you can absolutely be successful in this this job. Wow, oh, awesome. Well, that's a, a good way to end, Jade. <laughs> What's your, what's your kind of final advice or what would you say about yeah. that? Um, so, I mean, I think, you know, all of us being passionate about aviation, there's nothing we love more than getting somebody else passionate about aviation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the opportunity to take up somebody who is a new pilot or hasn't flown before is like, yeah, when can I do it? And, and when do you want to go? You know, yeah. we, we don't need yeah. an excuse to want to bring somebody flying and, and to be able to kind of mentor people in that capacity, whether it be becoming a pilot or joining aircraft sales is something I think we all love, or at least I love, I, I, you know, it kind of brings me up and and it's exciting to see other people and help people get into this industry and really know and understand that there are tons of other career opportunities in aviation outside Mm -hmm. of just being an airline pilot. And there's nothing wrong with being an airline pilot if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, or if you want to explore other opportunities, I can probably name off a hundred different aviation careers that you could explore um, that don't include, you know, flying a triple seven. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's I think- something we could definitely make a list. We need to compile a list of different um maybe contacts uh, that we've done the podcast with and everything, and just like contacts to like 
maybe have mentors. I know I've reached out in the you know most recent couple months uh, to people like kind of looking for guidance on like, okay, what now? You know, what do you what do you do next? So I think that would be a great list of contacts to just. Yeah. Kind of get people into the different types of aviation and how to get started. So, yeah. well, you can put me on absolutely. That <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're awesome. Thank you guys so much for everything in your time today. We yeah. really enjoyed talking and I, I can't it. wait to see you at the upcoming air shows. Hopefully. I know. Hopefully. <laughs> I know. Are y'all going to be at uh, sun and fun? I likely will not be at Sun and Fun, but will definitely be at EAA. I, yeah. I live just an hour and 15 by car and, and 25 minutes by airplane. So there's no excuses and, and I'll be there all week. Yeah. <laughs> what part of Wisconsin do you live in? I'm just outside of Madison. Okay. So just, just outside of the university campus area. Um, my yeah. husband and I have a hangar and uh, keep our airplanes at Charlie 29, which is Middleton, just under the Charlie C. Vale. Okay, cool. Yeah, Madison is, is cool. Where do you live, Candy? I am actually out in Denver, Colorado. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I'm here at Rocky Mountain are. Metropolitan right now. Yeah. You really are all over the place, the people in the organization. Yeah. For sure. Yep, we, that's our job. Yeah, we, we span coast to coast, north to south. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking the time, and um, I enjoyed it, and hopefully we'll get to see each other at the air shows or keep in touch. That sounds great. Thank you guys. Look so forward much. to it, guys. Thanks yeah. for having us. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. I really did with the two ladies from Genevieve. Did you like it, Alyssa? All I can say is wow. Like, I mean, just to hear their stories and know that uh, they have each other's back in aviation you know how important that is to have a team of team players you know so yeah. i think that's really cool how they function so i think it's a great uh career for women because women really are good at relationships and building relationships and, and being multitasked <laughs> and multitasking for sure yeah and i'm sure they're they're juggling a lot so i enjoyed that i hope we run into them make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you have not yet share it with your friends and let us know if there's anything that you would like on a future episode cheers to my empty glass cheers, <laughs> cheers. <laughs>